Good morning, Bellwether Church. Um, I'm excited to be here today. I'm grateful that uh, Nathan has allowed me to come up here and preach to you this morning. Uh, I am, my name is David Gladney. My wife is here, Emily Gladney. Uh, I'm originally from here. I'm from Madison. Grew up in Madison. Uh, went to school at Canton Academy, graduated from Canton Academy. Uh, then I, from graduation Canton Academy, went to Ole Miss, graduated there with my uh, a degree in psychology. After I graduated from uh, Ole Miss, moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, where I studied for my master's uh, at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and that is where I met my wife, Emily. Uh, she said that I came to her, but I think she saw my, me walking my dog in the neighborhood, and that's when she came knocking. Um, <laughs> we got married on January 1st, 2022, so that's easy for me to remember. That's just 1122, so if I forget, I have no excuse. Uh, so like I said, I'm glad to be here. Uh, Kenneth last week came and spoke to you from uh, Philemon 1. Uh, there's only one chapter, but Philemon 1, 1 through 7. And I'm going to continue preaching through Philemon, preaching through uh, 8 through 17. Uh, and I'm excited to be here. So let's open up your Bible to the book of Philemon. And there's only one chapter. And we're going to read this letter like Philemon would have read it. He read the whole thing. And so we're going to read the whole thing this morning. So Philemon, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier in the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, <clears throat> I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever." No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even on your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for 
this morning. Thank you for this church that we can gather and worship your name. God, we pray that you will uh, speak to us this morning. Thank you for this letter that, we, that you've given us. God, we pray that uh, we glorify you and all, and that I glorify you. And Lord, that uh, just thank you for salvation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, Kenneth spoke on the first seven verses in Philemon. He started this theme of Philemon and talking about uh, Onesimus and Philemon and this restoration and, and the, the restoration of a relationship that they had. And this morning, I'm going to continue on that theme. And the, the, today matters. So my main idea today is the gospel has the power to change our posture and our relationships with God and with each other. So the gospel has the power to change our posture and our relationships with God and each other. And from that main theme, we're going to have two points. The go- first is the gospel changes our posture. Uh, we're going to see Paul. And we're going to see how he wrote to Philemon. And we're going to see his example and his appeal to Philemon for Onesimus. And then the second point is the gospel changes our relationships. And we're going to look at Philemon and we're going to look at Onesimus and see the dramatical change that came because of the gospel. So there are two points. is The gospel changes our posture, and second is the gospel changes our relationships. So let's begin in with the gospel changes our relationships. Or, sorry, the gospel changes our posture. So what do I mean by posture? Do I mean how a uh, military is supposed to stand, or how I mean how my wife Emily tells me when I'm slatching to sit up or to stand straighter? Uh, no, that's it is a form of posture, but that's not what I mean here. When I say posture, I mean the way our heart is conditioned and pointed toward God. So a heart posture toward God is one of obedience, uh, trustworthy, uh, uh, thankfulness toward the Lord. And so our posture is how our heart is positioned toward God. And we're going to examine Paul's posture, and we're going to start by looking back at what Kenneth talked about last week in the first seven verses. So the, this book was written by Paul, who was in prison, to Philemon, who was a wealthy man. He, Philemon was also a friend of Paul. He calls him a beloved fellow worker. Paul is thankful for God. When he remembers Philemon, he thanks God for him. And so apparently Paul, Philemon has done some pretty great things. And in verse 7, Paul has a joyous heart and a loving heart toward Philemon for what Philemon has done for God and for others. So Paul's posture toward Philemon is one of gratitude and toward God is gratitude for Philemon. So this letter has a grateful tone to it. It has a I love you tone to it. And we have seen that in the first seven verses, but this letter has a different tone to it. There's another layer to this to this letter that we're going to have to walk through today. And Paul is going to appeal for a man named Onesimus. Now, Paul could have approached this letter with a tone of commanding or demanding. He could have told Philemon what to do, but Paul doesn't use those tones because Paul knows that he needs to say the right thing in the right way at the right time. So he appeals to Onesimus. He uses a tone a plea. And in this tone, we're going to see Paul's posture. We're going to see Paul be humble, and we're going to see Paul's integrity. And we're going to look at verses 8 and 9 to see Paul's humility. He says, Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. 
Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, now prisoner also for Christ Jesus. Paul says to Philemon, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul says to Philemon that he is bold enough in Christ to tell him what to do. This word bold means openness or frankness. Now, if Emily told me I'm going to be frank with you, I would be a little scared. I'll be a little, I need to sit back a little bit. But then this does sound a little harsh from Paul. But Paul has this authority over Philemon because he's an apostle. And so he would have the right to tell Philemon what to do. Paul could have pulled rank. He could have said, I have authority over you, so here's what to do. Think of a time that someone pulled rank on you, that someone in authority over you pulled rank and told you what to do. I remember when I was playing football at Canton Academy, I started playing in eighth grade and played all the way till I graduated in 12th grade. And in the spring, we had spring training. And in the spring, the uh, high schoolers and the middle schoolers, they played with one another and they practiced with one another. And let me just say, it was much more fun to be a high schooler than a middle schooler. Uh, the middle schoolers had the, the lockers right next to the bathroom. The middle schoolers didn't get much playing time. And the high schoolers had the authority, because they were older, they had the seniority to tell the middle schoolers what to do. Was I like that when I was a senior? Sure. But that's not the point. So the seniors had the authority to tell the middle schoolers what to do. At the end of practice, there were these bags laying all over the field because we use those bags to tackle or to, or to block. And so those bags were just sitting there and someone had to pick them up. And the coach told the seniors to pick them, or told the seniors to, to do whatever they needed to do to get the bags up. And so what did they do? Did they pick them up, put them in the shed? No. They told us, the middle schoolers, to go put them in the shed. Could they have, could they have been humble and take them to the shed themselves? Sure. But they told the middle schoolers, because they had the authority to put them in the shed. Could Paul have had the, the authority and would have had the right to tell Philemon what to do? Sure, but he didn't. He chose humility over authority, and he chose his love over Philemon over his authority over him. So he humbly chooses love over appeal, over demanding. And I wonder, are there times we choose authority over love? Or do we choose our pride? And our pride gets in a way to show love or kindness over someone. Now, there's are times at work where you need to encourage someone to do something. But I wonder if there's times that we could show love and humble towards someone else. And you may say, you, I have more experience than everybody else. I've been working much longer than everybody else. Well, true, but so did Paul. Paul was an older man now. He was 60, not that 60s old. He was 60. He had done a lot of traveling. He had been in jail, bitten by a snake, and he'd been carrying over these churches. So he had all the right to have this authority, but he doesn't. He denies it, and he's humble. And he's humble because of Jesus. He's humble because of what Jesus has done in his life. How did Jesus come into the world? Did he come full of rage and full of power? No, he came humbly into this world as a baby and obediently went to the cross. Paul knew Jesus on humility. Paul knows, knew Jesus and what he has done in his life. So he chooses humility over demanding, over commanding. And so moving on to verse 10, we're going to see his appeal for Onesimus. Verse 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he indeed is useful to you and to me. 
we again see Paul appealing for Onesimus. This is the second time we see this. And he says he appeals for his son Onesimus. So there are two things we need to get from that sentence. Paul calls Onesimus his son. Well, this is, you know, it might sound weird. He's not his biological father. But Onesimus found Paul in prison. Paul shared the gospel with him, and he became to know Christ there. And he mentored Onesimus. Paul did. So Paul referred to him as his son because he was his spiritual son, and, and Onesimus saw Paul as a spiritual father. You might have a spiritual father, or you might have a spiritual mother in your life, and you might have someone that you mentored, and you see them as a son and daughter. This was the same for Paul. He saw Onesimus as his spiritual son. And then the word Onesimus. Paul uses the name Onesimus, and this is the first and the only time throughout the whole book of Philemon that we see his name. So imagine with me Philemon reading this letter. I want to imagine that Onesimus handed this letter to Philemon, but up until this point, we did, Philemon probably didn't know who this letter was about until verse 10. So up until this point, the letter read like this. Verse 1, Philemon is a beloved fellow worker. That's great. That's encouraging. Verse 4, Paul thanks God for Philemon and his prayers. Also encouraging. Verse 6, Paul prays that sharing of Philemon's faith may become effective. Verse 7, Paul has much joy and comfort for Philemon. Up until this point, that sounds great. I would love to get that letter from Paul. Verse 8 and 9, things changed a little bit. He appeals to, to, Onis, to Philemon. And in verse 10, Philemon knows what this letter is about. Paul drops his bomb on Philemon and knows that he is appealing for Onesimus. And who was Onesimus to Philemon? Onesimus was his bondservant. A bondservant was one who owed a debt or committed a crime against someone, and so they're working to pay that off, and that would be over a specific time, and then they would become free. But Onesimus ran away from Philemon. And so Philemon would have had a lot of reason to be upset at Onesimus. The name Onesimus was often given to bondservants, and the name Onesimus means profitable or useful. So Onesimus became useless to Philemon when he ran away. So Paul cleverly uses a play on words here. He says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. So Paul says that Onesimus was useless but now is useful. Or more specifically, he says, useful was useless, but now he is useful again. And he's useful again because of the gospel. He came to know Jesus, and Jesus radically changed his life. He left Philemon and became useless, but when what he found, when he got to Paul, was grace and found Jesus. So Paul appeals to Philemon not because of anything Onesimus did. Onesimus didn't do a thing. Paul didn't do a thing. He appeals because of what Jesus had done in his life. And he's appealing because he is wanting restoration and reconciliation in his life. And so there we see Paul's humble posture. We see him not come demanding or commanding. We see him come to Philemon humbly. And in verses 12 through 14, we're going to see Paul be, have integrity. So let's move on to verse 12. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, 
but of your own accord. Sending Onesimus back to Philemon wouldn't have been easy for Paul. Paul would have had a lot to gain to keep him with him. He, would have, he called him a brother. He called him his son. He called him his very heart. You can kind of hear the hurt of him sending him back. Paul could, have told, could never have told Philemon anything. Paul could have just kept Onesimus for himself. But that wouldn't have been good integrity. Keeping Onesimus for himself would not have been a good integrity. But he also knew the big picture. And so if Onesimus stayed, Paul would have had a friend. But because Onesimus went, there was a chance for reconciliation. And we're going to get that to our second point. But Paul could have protected himself by not sending him back. But Paul knew the chance of reconciliation. And he knew there was a risk, but the risk was worth it. And I wonder how often we try to protect ourselves so we don't get hurt. We, we, we see the risk so we don't, uh, we don't seek reconciliation or we don't seek forgiveness. But I believe our homes, our workplaces, our churches would be healthier if we followed Paul's example here, if we did see the big picture in our lives. So Paul had integrity, and that is the gospel in his life. But there's one other person who had integrity in this passage. It was Onesimus. When Paul sent Onesimus, Onesimus could have ran wherever he wanted. But he went back to Philemon because he was now useful. He once was useless. He is now useful, and this is all because of the gospel. And because of the gospel, he had integrity to go back to Philemon. And this is the transforming gospel, and and this is what changes our relationship. But Paul knows who ultimately has the decision in this reconciliation. It was Philemon. Look at verse 14. I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. It had to be Philemon. He had to receive Onesimus back as a brother, not as a bondservant, but as a brother. And that is what leads to our second point. The gospel changes our relationships. Read with me verse 15 through 17. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. In verse 15, we see Paul's humility again. He said, perhaps this is why, perhaps this is why Onesimus left you, Philemon. Uh, He admits that he and we cannot fully know God's plan and God's mind, but we can know what God has chosen to reveal to us. But Paul knows God's character. He may not know the full plan, but he knows God's character. He knows God is sovereign. Sovereign, God's sovereign means his lordship that extends over everything. And from his sovereignty comes his good providence, which means God's caring provision for his people. That's really good news for us, Christian. That our God, who lords over everything, our broken homes, our illnesses, our workplaces, God lords over all that, and he, his provision is good for us. It is good to us. And so we can rest in God's sovereignty and his provision. So that is how Paul knows God's character. He knows his sovereignty, and he knows his provision. So back to Philemon, he doesn't, Paul doesn't know his, God's plan, but he knows his character. So he's saying to Philemon, maybe God is using the evil of Onesimus running away to produce something that is good. Now, 
We see that all throughout Scripture of something evil that God uses for good. But Paul wants Philemon to see the full story. It would be easy and reasonable for Philemon to only focus on Onesimus running away. He would have a lot of um, reason to be mad at Onesimus. But Paul wants him to see the good that came from that, from good from him running away. He became to know Christ, and he wants him to see the big picture of reconciliation. In verse 16, he says, No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul says that Philemon should receive Onesimus back. But notice, he doesn't, Paul doesn't ask for his freedom. He said you should re- receive him back as a beloved brother. Now think about that contrast. Onesimus was Philemon's bondservant who ran away, who had a debt to pay to Philemon. Philemon had every right to be upset with Onesimus. But Paul says don't receive him back just as a bondservant. Receive him as a brother. For Philemon, that would have been a really hard thing and a strong thing to hear from Paul. Just as Paul sees Philemon as a brother, he wants, to see, wants Philemon to see Onesimus as a brother. He wants them to be united by grace, and only grace, and only God's grace can unite them, and only God's grace can unite us. We all we're broken and, and separated from God, but only God's grace could unite us back to God and back to other people. And this is what the gospel does. It unites us by grace. It restores broken relationships. It restores our broken relationship with God where in the garden we were, sin came into this world and we are all sinners. So we all were sinners toward God and our relationship with him was broken. But there was Jesus who came into this world, lived an obedient life, died a death, and and rose three days later. And through Jesus can we be redeemed and restored back to God. Let's look at Onesimus. Before his conversion, he was physically Philemon's slave. He was spiritually sin's slave, and he was, was eternally hell's slave. After his conversion, he still was physically uh, Philemon's slave. That did not change. But after his conversion, he spiritually was free in Christ, and he eternally is free in heaven. We all were like Onesimus. Before Christ, whatever your situation was, you were slave to sin and eternally was hell slave. But because of Jesus, you can be spiritually free and eternally free forever. That's the good news. That's the good news of the gospel, and that's the good news that we can see from Philemon and Onesimus' story. That's radical transformation, and that's only Jesus can do that. We were sin, sin, slave to sin before Christ, but friends of Christ when you're in him. By God's grace and by Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection, we can be free, and this isn't a temporary free. This is an eternally free, and that is forever just as Onesimus went from bondservant to brother, we can go from servants to sin to save and share in this brotherhood of grace. Because of Jesus, we too can be restored and reconciled to God, but not only to God, but we can be restored and reconciled to each other. 
So maybe you're in here today and you have broken relationships. I would guess some of you do. Most of you might have in the past. And maybe you're in here and you identify with Onesimus that you've wronged someone, that you've hurt someone, you have done something to someone that has caused division. And maybe we need to look at Onesimus to humble yourselves with integrity and to go to the person you have wronged. Onesimus had the integrity to go back to Philemon, the one he hurt, the one he wronged. So go to your brother and your sister in Christ and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you identify with Philemon and someone has seriously wronged you and hurt you and you have every reason to be upset. Philemon had every reason to be upset, but Paul said this to him, receive him as a brother. Receive him as a brother, not just a bondservant. So I repeat what Paul said, receive the one that has hurt you as a brother. Receive the one that has hurt you as a sister. That is the gospel. That is the picture of the gospel when we do that. When we receive each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, even though they've wronged us. Now, Paul isn't necessarily saying to put someone at a high position in your life. He's saying just to forgive them as a brother and sister. But here's the good news. The good news is that God, who reconciles sinners to himself through his son Jesus, can rest, who can reconcile a master and a bondservant who become brothers, can reconcile your broken relationships. That is who God is. He can reconcile a master and a bondservant. He can reconcile your broken relationships. That is the powerful work of the gospel. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus, you're like Onesimus before his conversion. You're like me before my conversion. I was a slave to sin, eternally destined to be separated from Jesus. But in Jesus, we can be eternally free. We can have a friend in Jesus. And we can be restored back to God and have eternal freedom forever. One theologian said it best. He said it this, we are all Onesimus. We are all Onesimus. Once a useless, rebellious slave who lived for ourselves, now a useful, redeemed child of God who is eternally free in Christ. So church, let's live in that freedom. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your, how we can be restored to you, not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done, Jesus. God, help us be united in grace. God, thank you for this letter that you've given us to Philemon. God, I just pray that we can be encouraged and that we, as a body of believers, but as the church, can be restored to you and to others. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. I praise in your name. Amen.